Over the past few years, I have asked you guys to give me a rating and review. And if you've done that, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. It's so helpful. But if you haven't, I get it. I kind of get it. Like, I'm asking you to go and click on this thing and then like, how do I do it? And then I have to come up with some kind of a review and I don't know what to say and I'll do it later, right? I, I get it. I've, I've kind of been there before. I, I know exactly how you feel. And so I'm not asking you to do that now, okay? What I'm asking you to do now is so easy. Anybody can do it and it literally takes like one second. Go into whatever you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, they all have it, and just click on the subscribe button. Just subscribe. It takes one second. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to come up with a review and write it all out and you know be self-conscious about it. Just hit that subscribe button. That would be so, so, so impactful for me. And if you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it, that would mean the world to me. It really would. And it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like, let's literally stop listening right now. Stop listening. Go and do it. That's how much it means to me. Nobody ever asks you to leave their show and stop listening for anything. But I'm asking you to stop listening right now. Go and just quickly subscribe. Come right back and take a listen. That would mean the world to me. I would really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. They're trying to protect you. They love you, I assume. And they're afraid that you're going to get into something like real estate that has a high dollar of value and, and, a, and a perceived very high uh, dollar value risk. And they're worried about you. They're, they're worried and they want to protect you and keep you safe. But the fact of the matter is keeping you where you are might make your situation not get worse, but it won't make it better. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on the show today. I've got another great live replay for you. As you know, I am on Facebook, I'm on YouTube, and all the social media channels. Every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, answering questions for you about real estate or anything else you want to talk about. Really, why would you ask me questions about something other than real estate? But if you want to, I will answer them. You want to ask me relationship questions, I'll answer them. But really, we're there for real estate. So if you have real estate questions, go and log in and ask me those questions. I want to help you with them. We had a great, great uh, Q&A session the other night. And this is exactly taken from that. Uh, I had questions about uh, knowing how to pick a market. I had questions about somebody asked me why their family is trying to keep them out of real estate. Why are they trying Trying to talk them out of it. I had someone ask me, uh, how do I get funding in place so that I can invest? Some people said they felt like they were being blocked from entering the real estate investing world. And I had to talk them through that one. So other questions too, that were awesome. Tons of good stuff. Somebody asked me about the market, about dispositions, and we went into all that stuff. So I actually went pretty hard into dispositions. So if that's interesting for you, uh, stay tuned. This is going to be a good one for you. I think you're going to really love this. So without any further ado, I give you my latest Q&A. All right. Welcome to my live, guys. Welcome back. It's Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific. For those of you on Instagram watching, uh, hello to you too. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I was able to make that happen tonight. If you have questions, please put them in the chat and we will get to them. Uh, but like I said, I'm here every Wednesday and this is a resource for you. It's uh, Things are changing in the world. Things are changing in the market. The economy is changing. Uh, we have interest rates kind of being wonky. We have uh, house prices um, that are you know, potentially going to go down. Everyone's kind of freaking out. We don't know where they're going to go. 
Um, and so I'm here to help you navigate through all that. Uh, I have a vast network of people that I know that I'm friends with that I see all the time all over the country that we converse, we talk, we kind of collaborate on what's going on. And so we can kind of figure out how to best attack this. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I have a podcast. It's called Just Start Real Estate. And in the, on that podcast, I do uh, also interview people who are really plugged in to not only the economy, but into the real estate market in particular. And uh, I've talked to a few of those folks lately. And I'll tell you, don't get overly freaked out if you don't know what's happening and you're not sure what to do, because even the experts are really not sure exactly what's going to happen. I mean, I've interviewed a handful of like really high... Uh, high level very you know plugged into the to the real estate world and they they don't know they really don't they they tell me that both on camera and and on mic and off uh we don't know exactly what's going to happen um and so but it's okay because i also have been through i was i, I went through the crash of 08 and 09 that time frame when real estate took a nosedive and i was i went through that i went through everything that has gone on since then I have friends that have been through another couple of market cycles even before that. And the good news is there's a way to be successful in all of those markets. You do not have to be afraid of what's coming. It's, it's going to be different, but that doesn't make it bad. It can be much better, actually. I can tell you, if you pluck my brain, my 2022 brain, and put it into my 2008 head, uh, I, would, I would have cleaned up. In a, in a way that I could not have imagined at the time because I was new to real estate. I was just trying to figure things out. I didn't have any knowledge at all. And so I was figuring it out as I went. And it took me a few years. I mean, it took me a while, actually. To be perfectly frank, it took me probably six years to sort of... And I didn't figure it out. You never figure it out like definitively. There's always more to learn. And I'm always learning. But I started to make some big discoveries and big aha moments that really changed the trajectory of my company. And it took me a long time. So I didn't really take advantage of the 2008-2009 situation. But a lot of people lost a lot of money during that time. And so you have to you have to move with the times. You have to change your approach. You have to maybe change your model a little bit to keep up with what's going on. And so it's not a time to panic. It's a time to pay attention. And it's a time to um, collaborate with other people. And I don't mean collaborate as in, you know, go in partners. I mean, it's a time to like get together with people in the industry like me and other people who are having success and find out what they think and what they're doing and try to get other people's opinions so that you can stay in the clear in terms of risk, um, you know, assessing the risk and understanding where the market's going. It's, it's, it's going to change for sure. Uh, but I honestly think the changes that are coming are going to present a really a lot of opportunities for real estate investors, just a lot of opportunities. So um, definitely don't panic and don't despair, like actually be excited because, you know, four years ago when we were moving out of kind of more of a buyer's market and moving into the seller's market, people were worried then, what are we going to do? How are we going to find deals? It's going to be too hard to find deals. No one's going to sell us our house because their house is appreciating and they think it's worth more. And, you know, how are we going to have those conversations with sellers? And we figured it out, right? And now that we figured it out and we're going back to the market that we didn't want to leave four or five years ago, we're going back to it. Now we're freaking out again as a, as a you know, collective community. We're, we're getting a little nervous. But don't get nervous. Like we have already been there and it was actually pretty good. 
in a lot of ways, right? And some some people is great, and other people they struggled. But the fact of the matter is, you can you can succeed in any market. So don't let that freak you out. Come here on Wednesdays. I will share everything that I know with you for free. It's just open forum to ask questions and and to learn whatever I know, right? And so if you follow me on my on my podcast, if you you know, follow me through the seven figure flipping community or whatever it is, however you found me here, or if you just heard me on some other, you know, podcast or YouTube channel or something, and you think that I have something to offer you, then you should, you should come in here. You should come into this uh, live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time and ask questions and I'll answer them for you to the best of my knowledge. Every once in a while, I get a question that I can't answer and I, because it's not really in my wheelhouse. And so I just, I'll tell you that too. I'm not going to answer questions that I, I don't have good answers for. So um, come here, ask those questions. Let's move that ball down the field and make it happen. All right. Um, if you, by the way, if you uh, are working on trying to find more deals, if you're trying to inject more leads and more opportunities into your business and you're struggling with that, you might need to add direct mail to your business. And if you're already doing it, you might need to modify it, to improve it, to do something to make it better. Had a conversation literally a couple of hours ago with someone who reached out to me and said their direct mail wasn't working. And, and so we talked through it a little bit and came up with a game plan to get that fixed. Well, I can give you all of my knowledge on direct mail if you want it, and I will give it to you for free. And it will be in the form of videos, so you can go back and rewatch. And if you something didn't make sense, you can rewatch it again. If it still doesn't make sense, you can actually ask me questions about the video so that I can clarify for you. And you get all this for free. Like I said, it's totally free. Just go to my website, mikesimmons.com. And then you can type in forward slash winning direct mail. It's on the screen if you're looking at that now live. It's mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. Or you can just go to mikesimmons.com and there are two buttons right there on that first page that will take you to my direct mail course that is free. So go and check that out. Hundreds of people have already gotten it. I've gotten some great questions. It's helped a ton of people. I've gotten a lot of really good feedback. It is a solid course on direct mail. And I have spent over the last seven or eight years, I have spent spent over a million dollars, right? I've sent out millions and millions of postcards, but I've spent a million dollars of my own money trying to dial in and perfect and really get good and master direct mail. And you can you can reap the benefits of all that money that I spent. I just give you this information for free. So go and grab that and uh, get your direct mail really dialed in. Okay. Let's uh, let's let's jump into the questions for tonight. If you have questions, throw them in the chat. Otherwise, I'm going to start uh, just asking, answering questions that I get through DMs and emails and people send me stuff all week. You can definitely send me questions if you know you can't be here for the live, but you have something you want to ask. Just email me at mike at juststartrealestate.com or you can DM me on any social media platform and we'll get it into the show. All right. First question. Why do my family members keep trying to talk me out of investing in real estate? Um, it's a great question. I have, a, I have some really good guesses. I don't know your family members, so I don't know what their reasons are. Um, but here's what I know from people who tried to talk me out of it. And for people who I know have family members that have objected to their real estate business of people that I've worked with in the past. And it boils down to uh, protection. They're trying to protect you. They love you, I assume. And they're afraid that you're going to get into something like real estate that has a high dollar of value and, and, a, and a perceived very high uh, dollar value risk. And they're worried about you. They're, they're worried and they want to protect you and keep you safe. But the fact of the matter is, 
keeping you where you are might make your situation not get worse, but it won't make it better. And so if you don't like your situation, if you're not happy with your income, if you're not happy with your job or the career that you have chosen, and you believe that real estate can get you out of it, don't let anybody talk you out of it. Okay. They're trying to, to, I'm going to give your family the benefit of the doubt and say, they're trying to be helpful. They're trying to keep you safe. They love you and they don't want to see anything bad happen. But the fact of the matter is just, you know, bearing down and just dealing with life and not taking any action to improve things is not really a formula for success. So if you're not happy in your job, like I said, if you're not happy with your income, if you're not happy with the amount of time that you get to spend with your family, there is something you can do about it. And I think real estate is the best vehicle to get that done. Um, and so you have to you have to do what you know you need to do. And if I listened to everybody who loved me at the time, when I started doing real estate, I would have never continued. I would have stopped because they thought it was a bad idea. In fact, when I left my nine to five job, okay, I'll tell you a quick story of how I how I left my job and what what it, what I had to do in my own head and between my wife and I in order for that to be an okay thing. I don't have a lot of fear of risk. I take risk very um, freely, and I'm pretty pretty risk tolerant. Um, my wife is not as risk tolerant, and so. I'm in a marriage and I understand that a marriage is, you know, compromising and talking about things and coming to a mutual agreement. And so the mutual agreement we had was I'm not just going to quit my job like a cowboy and hope for the best and roll the dice, right? That's what I would have done. That was my choice. Um, so in order to make my wife feel good about it, I said, here's what we can do. I will do this real estate thing on the side. And once I have saved a year's worth of my nine to five salary, Okay, if once I've saved that amount and put it in the bank in cash, then I'll quit my job. <clears throat> and that gives me one year to make it work because I won't touch that money in the bank. I will survive based off of the money I make in real estate. But if I can if I can make that work and we don't have to spend this money that's in the bank in order to pay our bills, then then I'm just going to go and do it, right? I'm just going to be a real estate investor and that'll be the new direction. And so I saved up that money and put it in the bank and I started doing real estate full time. I quit my job. I never looked back, right? Because I was able to absolutely crush my, my nine to five salary with what I was able to do in real estate. Once I could dedicate a whole, like a whole week, I wasn't going into some job and working from at the time, I think I was working from like 7.30 to five or something. So once I had all those hours back, and I could utilize them toward my real estate business. It just took off, and I—it was a joke. I mean, I—I I make ten times more money in real estate, more than ten times, probably twenty times more in real estate every year than I than I did my ninety-five. So it's not even close. It's an absolute joke, right? We we look back at that, my wife and I, we laugh. But the reason they're trying to do this is because they want you to stay safe, and they don't want you to take big risks, and they don't want to see you fail. And that's fine. It's good. They're trying to help, but. Staying where you are is not the answer for most people. And so despite the fact that they are really trying to help you, I get that. Um, I think you have to go do what you have to do. And you know, I'm assuming that there's risks and things don't always work out perfectly all the time. But perseverance and taking action, like those, those are the two qualities that I see that are common among people who are successful. They persevere. And they, they take action and they're willing to take some risks, some calculated risk. Now, I'm also kind of a believer that 
real estate isn't not that inherently risky. The risk is having too much success too fast and then getting sloppy. People lose money in real estate usually, not always, there's exceptions, but usually they lose money when they get sloppy and lazy. They're, they don't do their due diligence. They try to cut corners. They try to, you know, they take risks that they, they know are not a good, educated, calculated risk. I've done it. Most people I know have done it and they've lost money. But when you're diligent, when you do your due diligence and you do your homework and you run your numbers and you stick to your plan, real estate's not incredibly risky. Now, in a market that's shifting, right, from like buyer to seller, seller to buyer and things, certainly if you don't, if you don't know what's happening in the market and you just keep investing the way you did six months ago or six years ago, there's an opportunity for risk. There's an increased opportunity for risk. But again, that's part of due diligence, like staying plugged in, keeping your ear to the ground, being plugged into communities, talking to people like me and asking, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What do you expect? And really staying on top of that kind of thing and running your numbers and staying to your plan, like having a buy box, like figure out what a, what a good deal looks like to you and stick to that. Don't deviate. That's Those folks who, who follow that kind of a plan, they tend to not get themselves in, in trouble with deals. So I don't think real estate's inherently risky. And in fact, if I'm being perfectly honest, which I'm being, I think the market we're moving into is going to be really good for real estate investors. And I don't even know exactly what it's going to be. But I know this, the seller's market we were just in for the last two years plus, and, and then really like exaggerated for the last two years where there was just house prices worth going through the roof. That was a challenge for real estate investors to buy properties, right? We have to buy properties at a discount. And it becomes challenging when somebody's property values are going up by, you know, 30% every year. It's like, it's insane what we were experiencing. So I'm actually looking forward to what's going to happen. I, I know that there's some negatives that go with house prices fluctuation and, you know, unstable economy. I get that, right? From a personal level, but from a real estate level, I think we're moving into a time that's very, very exciting. I'm super excited about the time that we're moving into. I am so optimistic. I am so like thinking that this is going to be such a great time for my business and for your business that I can't wait. So I don't really, I don't really identify with the folks who are scared of what's about to happen. I don't know what data they're looking at or what what experience would tell them to be scared. I'm excited about it. So I think you guys should be too. And I think you should tell your family the same thing. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Adam Whitney, my brother. Adam's a good friend of mine. Thank you for showing up, man. All right. How is the disposition strategy changing in this environment? Here's how it's changing. Um, for the past two years, as a wholesaler, which I know you are, you had all the leverage as the invest as the wholesaler. You had the leverage over your buyers. They were desperate for deals. House prices were going up. You had the opportunity if you chose to, to do it, you had the opportunity to really kind of stick it to them and really use your leverage to squeeze them hard, okay? In the market we're going into, what's going to change is some of, the, some of that leverage, some of that power is going to shift back to the buyers, which means if you chose, and I know you didn't, Adam, that's why I'm going hard into this one. If you chose to squeeze them and to manipulate them and to pit them against each other in a way that is, you know, not really ethical or really good business. And if you if you if you talked to them in a way that you knew they sort of you sort of had them over a barrel, now what's coming up will be their time 
to get revenge if they cho- if they so choose, right? You will be a little bit more dependent on them buying properties from you and you'll need them a little more than they need you. So if you treated them right, if you ran a good solid business, a good ethical business, and you 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 treated them with respect, then I think you're going into a time that you're going to be totally fine. They're going to buy from you. It's going to be great. But you have to realize your your relationships with your buyers, uh, it's not one way. It's not, hey, we screw them when we can. And then when we can't, we just, you know, we expect them to come to us and buy. You want to, this is a time to really strengthen those relationships. Maybe identify the top 10% of your buyers and and reach out to them, send them something, meet them for lunch, meet them for dinner, meet them for a drink, whatever it is, whatever you want to do. But I would strengthen those relationships, number one. <clears throat> number two, in the markets that's coming up, because we're moving into a more buyer's market, or at least we're shifting in that direction, your dispositions process has to be dialed in. The whole thing, not just the relationships, but how you run your business. I'll tell you, most people over the last few years let some of their processes and systems get a little lazy, right? I I told people when we were in, in Chicago, some of you have gotten fat and lazy on the disposition side of your business because you could take a dumpster fire of a house, do nothing to it, throw it out to your buyer's list, and it was like wolves attacking meat and fighting for it. Like we had buyers calling us our, from our buyer's list and saying, man, we are desperate. You have anything. Like, I need something. Like, what do you got? And so when we would throw something out there, <clears throat> they'd be like fighting a wolf. So when it's that easy, when something comes that easy to you, what is the likelihood that you are going to stay 100% committed to your process and not take any shortcuts? It's human nature to say, listen, I can go through these five or 10 steps that I normally go through, or I can just send out to my buyer's list and we're going to get more. We're going to get way over asking. Like We're just going to make a ton of money. And so what happens is you get a little fat and lazy. The market shifts. You're not prepared. You you kind of have let that part of, part of your business get a little lax. And then you struggle until you catch back up. Now, the part of our business that was not fat and lazy over the past two years was acquisitions. Your acquisitions team, I'm guessing, Adam, really had to bust their butt. Like they had to dial it in. You had to have meetings. You had to talk about what's going on. What do we say to sellers? What are, we, what are they saying back to us? Like problem solve, problem solve, problem solve, and really, really sharpen your sword on the acquisition side, right? You, you were just sharpening your sword. It's razor sharp. Over here, your sword turned into more of a club because it was just so easy. You didn't have to worry about it. So you're going to have to sharpen the sword on the dispo side. The discipline side of this is if we turn into a, if this turns into a full fledged buyer's market, okay, meaning house prices really kind of start tanking. If it turns into that, the 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 trick or the 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 discipline part of this is not letting your acquisition side get lazy and fat, right? They have to keep those those swords sharp, and so keep that sharp. Sharpen your dispo side, and if you don't have to sharpen the dispo side because you guys never deviated, you never got lazy. First of all, kudos to you because I think my company at times got we got a little lazy because it got easy. And so you just have to keep that that side sharp. That, those are the two big things. Buyer relationships, strengthen them. Now's the time to strengthen them. Not when you need them bad in six months or a year when maybe house prices have dipped already. Now, right now, while things are still kind of an even keel, the market's slowing down, they still need deals really bad. You, you're still doing okay on the dispo side. Now's the time to strengthen those relationships. 
don't wait. And if you've kept them strong, great. Okay. But that's really the, the dispo side of, of what's happening in the environment. Good question. Thanks, Adam. All right, next question. How do you negotiate when the seller with the seller to pay for repairs such as updating the electrical panel after the inspection? As a wholesaler, you really don't. Um, I, we don't negotiate for sellers to pay for anything after inspection usually. Matter of fact, we don't usually do an inspection because we build our numbers around, um, you know, a lot of times worst case scenario. Um, sometimes you can't tell the electric's bad. Maybe it's inside the walls or something. But if you look at the panel, you know, after a while, you can definitely tell if a panel needs to be updated or if there's something wrong. But even if you can't, uh, we don't negotiate inspection contingencies into our into our um, into our PA because you know, in the seller's market we've been in, you just don't. They, you just can't. It, most sellers aren't going to deal with that. So. The only way I would ever ask a seller to pay for something like an electrical panel if I got an inspection, which I don't, is if they assured me the electrical panel was completely up to date and fine, and I made an offer based on that, even though I thought maybe it needed to be fixed, and they said, no, it doesn't. Okay, good. I'll offer you another $5,000 or whatever, and then it is bad. Then maybe I'm going to go back because our, our negotiation was based off of the electrical panel being up to code, and yours isn't. And we had this agreement, and so I want you to pay for it. That would be the only reason, and that's so rare. Like that's such a specific thing. When we go into houses, we have no in in inspection contingencies. We build our model, we build our pricing off of knowing that we're going to have things that pop up that we just weren't aware of, and so we build that into our to our offer. And so we're not caught completely off guard. So we do have things now. If we go in there and we thought that all the plumbing was good. All the electric was good. The HVAC was good. The roof was good. And the windows are good. We didn't build any of that in. And we get in and all those things are bad. We're in big trouble. We're really screwed. But we also didn't do a really good job of doing our walkthrough, right? Because we don't do a full-on inspection, but we do walk through it. And if we have a concern that maybe the house has got a lot of problems, we'll bring um, we'll bring our contractor through. And he's not doing a full inspection, but he's he's putting a real educated eye on certain key things to see how they look. And then we can use that when we're negotiating a price, but we don't we don't negotiate in, negotiate in intend, um, inspection contingencies. We just don't because you really it's hard. You're going to miss out on a lot of deals if you have that. Because I can tell you right now, most investors are not going to have an inspection contingency in there. That's more of a retail sale thing that happens, right? You're selling it to a, a homeowner, first time home buyer, or whatever, and they're going to do an inspection. And if there's something that goes wrong. You, you go back to them and you say, hey, this your electrical panel's bad. But as an investor, I would, you know, if I'm the seller, I would say, well, yeah, no crap. Like you're buying the house for 50 cents on the dollar. Yes, there are things wrong. Otherwise, it would be on the MLS. And if I had no issues, it would be on the MLS. So I, I don't see how you go back and renegotiate it unless there was some sort of a formal acknowledgement that the electrical panel didn't need work and you found out it did and you're your offer was based on it not needing it, you know, something weird and specific like that. So we're, we're investors, man. I, I just don't see the place in it for, um, you know, inspections and electrical panel um, reimburse, reimbursements. So I, I wouldn't do it. Okay, next question. Uh, new investor here. Do you have advice for researching markets and different types of properties? What are the factors to consider to finally take the plunge? Uh, I can, I can know uh, this person is not live. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to do real tough love. 
I can tell by the question, this person is looking for a reason to not get started. I, I, I can smell it because I was that person. I, I was that person early on before I actually got started. I had questions like this, like, what do I consider before I take the plunge? The, the type of house, the type of property is completely subjective or it's completely a matter of opinion. Um, if you're doing single family houses, there you go, single family houses. But when you're researching markets, there's nothing, I mean, that you should research markets. I'm not implying that you shouldn't research. I can just tell by the by the the tone of the, the question when it says, and what factors to consider to finally take the plunge. That tells me They've been putting off taking the plunge for a while because they use the word finally, right? So I don't have to be uh, I don't have to be a linguist to know that they're this person is procrastinating and they're and they're looking for reasons. But when you're researching your market, there's a lot of factors you can look at. I like to look at um, time on market, and I like to look at how many houses were sold, um, and that look like investor sales uh, compared to the number of properties in the market. Right. And so I want to make sure that there's a healthy amount of properties that are being sold and they're not sitting on the market for a long time. And the reason that I care how long it's sitting on the market, it's not because I want to list them. I need to know what the demand is. If the demand is very low, meaning they're on the market for a long time and there's not that many houses being sold relative to the amount of houses in the market, I would consider a different market. I want a market that's hot, it's active. Um, not necessarily because I want to have tons and tons of competition, but even competition isn't bad. If there's other wholesalers or other flippers in the market, that's a good thing. It means there's there's a reason to be there. They're not there for no reason. They're there because you know it's a good market for them. So um, I would say days on market is a big a big factor, and I want to see how fast these houses are moving, and I want to see how many houses sold relative to the amount of houses in the market. So, but listen, take the plunge, okay? Um, do a little research, ask around a little bit. You're never going to feel, I can almost guarantee you guys, for most people, you're never going to feel completely comfortable taking the plunge in real estate when you are getting started. There's always going to be questions, unless you're just like super, super into risk and like you just don't care and you don't have a lot of, you know, a lot of fear of taking risk. But most people have some fear of taking risk, even if they're not afraid of losing money. So for me, I didn't take risk. I didn't take. I didn't do my first deal for five years. It wasn't because I was afraid of losing money. I was afraid of looking stupid. Okay. So some people have a fear of losing their reputation or ruining their reputation or damaging it or just looking dumb. Right. That's why people don't like to do public speaking. One of the you know things that people are the most afraid of. It's a very famous stat that you know more. They you know made a list of what people are most afraid of, deathly afraid of, and it was like public speaking and then death. Like they were more afraid to public speak than they were to die, and it's because they don't want to look stupid in front of a lot of people, and that's why I didn't get started. I thought I don't care if I fail necessarily, I just don't want to fail publicly. So I, it took me a long time. So take that plunge, do it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Let's do one more question, one more, unless we got a live one. Okay, next question. It feels like I'm blocked from entering the world of investing. <laughs> What's the most logical way to raise enough capital to purchase without having to utilize my personal credit? Um, seller finance, private money. Okay, they're kind of asking as a question mark. You don't have to use your personal credit, number one. But you've already answered the question. This is another person who is absolutely has mindset issues. Um, 
got off, I was interviewed today on a podcast and I was asked what I think the number one thing that keep people from succeeding in real estate. It's nothing tactical. It's all between your ears. It's 100%. It's mindset. And this person says, it feels like I'm blocked from entering the world of investing. There is nothing blocking this person from entering the world of investing. There is nothing blocking them. They have imaginary barriers in front of them. Barriers that they've constructed and they've placed in front of themselves and they see them as real when they are in fact make-believe. They're not real. So how do you get enough capital? First of all, Capital doesn't have to come first. You do not have to raise capital before you get involved in real estate. That's number one. But number two, if you feel like you need that money to, to get in, the two the two things at the end, they asked me, seller financing? Question mark. Private money? Question mark. My answer? Yes, yes. So yes, seller financing. It's a great way. Buy houses that are being seller financed and you don't need to raise money. Just negotiate seller financing. If that doesn't work, or if you don't like that, yes, raise private money. Raise private money to do your deals. If that doesn't work, use hard money. Hard money you can use to do your deals. None of those things require your personal credit. All of them will break down whatever, whatever imaginary barriers you put in front of yourself, that will break them down. So go out there and do it. You have nothing that's blocking you from getting into real estate. Nothing. Millions of people are doing it. And many of them doing it really well. So nothing's blocking you. Just do it. Go out there and go for it. Um, again, guys, uh, go to my website. If you want help with marketing, I know getting leads freaks people out. And I hear this all the time from successful investors, from not, not as successful investors, people who are just getting started. I need more leads. I'm telling you, direct mail is like magic if you do it right. Go get my course. It's 100% free. I'm begging you to just take the knowledge that I spent a million dollars for. I'm not charging you a million dollars. I'm not charging you 500,000. I'm not even charging you a thousand, but I think it's well worth it. I do. This course should not be free, but I'm giving it to you. So take advantage of it. I might come to my senses and start charging a thousand for it or 5,000 for it because what I show you in that course, what I, what I teach you in that course, if it gets you one deal, one deal in real estate, what's that worth to you? 5,000, 10,000, for some people, 100,000 or more, right? One deal. I'm charging you nothing. Go get it. If you don't get it, you're, it's sort of irresponsible. It's, it's free. It's just free information. It's like if I dropped $5,000 on the ground, yeah, you should give it back to me. But you should at least pick it up. It's irresponsible to not pick it up and at least give it back to me. It's a weird analogy. It doesn't seem to work once I got into it. But I'm just telling you, if you have an opportunity, seize it. And this is one of them. So go get it. Winning direct mail. All right, guys, that's it for this week. If you logged on live, I know Adam did. I don't get to, I can't see everybody everywhere I'm at. If you joined and you were live, then thank you. Uh, I love having you here. Uh, ask questions. Don't sit back and be a wallflower. I did that for years. I went to RIAs and meetups and all these events. And I, I sat in the back and I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't say anything. I'd ask questions. I was afraid. Ask questions. Raise your hand. Ask questions. I want to help you guys. All right. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.